Hi friends, and welcome to the Be Nourished podcast, where we talk about the nourishing things in life, relationships, food, jobs, dreams, and everything in between. I am so happy to have my new friend Lauren on the podcast today. We actually met through a mutual friend who I've had on the podcast, Kelsey Page, um, and I've followed her Instagram, and I really just love her story and the platform that she has made through a lifelong experience of struggling with specifically eating, and um, it's not quite what you think, and she's going to talk to you all about it, but I just loved listening and, and learning from her and gaining perspective on something that I don't have to think about, but she has to think about every day, so... I hope you enjoy. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Allison. I'm so glad to be here. I am so glad you're here. I'm really pumped about this conversation. You are the first conversation yeah. I've had like this, so I'm really, this is going to be good. I'm excited. Oh, I'm so excited. Yes. Yay. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so my name is Lauren Reimer Etheridge. I live in Northwest Arkansas with my husband Anthony and my puppy dog Elway um just like the Denver Broncos but I was tricked into that name I do not know sports (laughs) that's hilarious (laughs) that happened but um so yeah now whenever people uh learn about a name they're like oh like the Denver Bronco and I'm like I guess I guess (laughs) if that's all you know that's so funny Um, and I um I'm a blogger um I hang out on Instagram a lot and I love taking photos um and i i'm from texas originally uh, but I what part of texas now. what part of texas what part? Uh-huh. i i'm from the dallas area okay my husband and his well my husband's from bryan college station and so his whole family lives in texas oh so you get to frequent that flatland yes wow. yeah and <laughs> i actually did know you were from texas because i read about your life but I'm curious because I, I had another, um, I interviewed someone else from Texas and I think I asked her the same question. On a scale of one to 10, 10 being completely extra and one being, it's fine, it's just where I'm from, where do you fall on Texas pride? <sighs> okay. <laughs> uh, this so is how she answered too. <laughs> that is a great question. So, so whenever I went to college, I was like, I, I do not belong in Texas. I need to get out of here. I need to go to the West Coast. And then I went to the West Coast for college, and I was like, what is this land? <laughs> like, That's what is this attitude? And um, and then also, um, before I moved to Arkansas, I was very much like, Arkansas? Like, oh, yeah. I get that. Even? And so that's a really great, great question. And I, oh man, I guess I'd have to put myself at like a six, like closer to that's 10 good. than zero because that's totally good. there's something in there. Yeah. Well, and Texas is a great place, but I have met a lot of people that are at a 10 and it, it almost makes you not want to like Texas. Cause you're like, and my husband defends this all the time. My husband's not, he's probably a five which is great yeah. for me because I can't, but he is like, um, you just don't know. Cause when you're in Texas, they like teach you to love Texas. Yeah. And yeah, I'm like, like it's a good point. Of Texas, I know. Like, I know. It's all of you. And then you, you know, you talk to people from other states and you're like, what do you mean you didn't have like, well, maybe they do have like history of their state, but like Texas history is rich, man. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. You know, like yeah. Well, and I I'm from Tennessee, and I remember learning about Tennessee, but it probably like in passing. I don't think it I don't think it was like as big as it is in Texas. I don't know. They love their state. Let me tell you. 
I know. <laughs> I mean, I guess, like, it's a cool thing that they were their own little thing. Like, it's true. That's great. I don't know. It's just, yeah. So, that's Texas funny. Pride is a weird thing. It and is. I didn't realize I'd had it until, like, until, like, a few years ago. I and know. It's, it's just it's so funny. Thing. I love it. I love it. I just had to ask because my husband's from Texas. I love that question. And I know a lot of Texans. And, you know, everybody falls on different yeah. spectrums, but just had to know. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Also, what kind of dog do you have? Did you say already? I did not. He, um, we don't really know, but he's kind of, to give you a visual, he is kind of Dachshund, Corgi, Chihuahua. Oh. He, yeah, so he's kind of a medium boy. But I love he, um, he's a perfect guy. He's just sitting here with me, just looking out the sunny window. Aww. So he's just, he's just my buddy, and I love having him around. So, I love that. Um, we do a lot of hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. We have two dogs, and they're currently sequestered outside, and they're mad at me because they don't know how to be chill about anything, and so they're not allowed to be in the house, like in the in the entire house when I'm interviewing because they just can't be quiet. But my puppy has found out where I'm sitting, and so she has – she keep, uh, there's a window right in front of me, and she keeps, like, pawing up at the window, like, how could you do this to me? So I just had to ask That's what kind amazing. of dog – She's nuts. Oh man. Okay. You're in for it later. I know. Um, I know. Yeah, tell me about it. Tell me about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Okay. Oh, so okay. you. What's interesting is that you did not mention, and I love it. The uh, thing that we're going to talk about the most today. I'm just curious, and I I always love how people introduce themselves because I think it says a lot about them, and I love how you introduce yourself because I think it says a lot about you. But I know that you have kind of dealt with something that has become a lifelong thing. And so I'm curious if you just wanna jump in, maybe when this all started, cause you have an awesome blog that details all the things, which I loved reading your stories. I think I got to like maybe part six and then I my client was like waiting for me in the lobby and I'm like, oh crap. So I, um, I've loved reading about your story and I love how detailed you are cause I think it's super, it, it, I felt like I was with you in your story. So I love that. But, so I'll put that in the show notes so people can reference that cause they're gonna wanna check that out. But Start, kind of start where, maybe not like, I don't know, start wherever you want to start. I mean, just start wherever you feel like this really became a thing for you. Okay. Well, first of all, I want to credit my elementary school teacher mother for teaching me <laughs> how to write all the details. Yeah. That is all her doing. Well, it's um, perfect. Which has really helped me um, at this point in my life, which I love. Um but yeah, so I deal with a chronic illness, um, and things kind of started, you know, I was born healthy and fine, um, and there were no, like, complications with my birth, and then around age four is when I started having, like, just kind of tummy trouble, mm -hmm. um, and... We didn't really think a lot about it at that point. Of course, I'm sure I went. So I'm from a really small town in Texas originally, um, up the Panhandle of Texas, and so I'm sure like I went to Doctor Van's office to right. like, get evaluated, <laughs> <laughs> like the man who delivered me, right? Because um, that was like our, you know, the doctor of the town, right? Um, and you know, we didn't really think a lot about it, and then things just kind of started progressing. I remember, like, really distinctly, like fainting on my first day of first grade like that is a really distinct memory mm -hmm. for me um and just some you know things things didn't progress really quickly but I, I do remember some distinct distinct things like that that happened that kind of showed like you know something isn't 
super right here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I lived in a really small town. Like I said, uh, I lived on a farm. My dad was a farmer. My mom was a teacher. Um, like we had sheep and <laughs> you know, like this, this is like the scene of, you know, and, and so, you know, you kind of just brush your shoulder off and go kind of yeah. vibe in those, in those areas. Um, and then whenever I was, was I eight or nine? I was going into third grade and we moved from the panhandle of Texas to the Dallas area. And that was kind of when things like really started showing that things weren't okay. I started throwing up a lot. Um, I started really just not doing well eating food. Like that sounds really dumb, but it was the truth. Like um, pretty much anything my parents tried to give me just like, wasn't going well. Um, my belly would get really, really, really distended, um, and just a ton of pain, and then, uh, this, this was about the time that I started, like, having my first emergency room visits, where, um, I would get super dehydrated from throwing up, throwing up, throwing up, and my hands would kind of do this thing where they clawed up. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was really painful, and my feet would do it, too, Mm. and, oh, it hurt so bad, and so I would, like, go to the ER, and they'd give me a bag of fluids, and then they'd be, like, okay, your potassium's low, eat some bananas, see ya, never, oh my like, gosh. kind of thing, um, and so, yeah, that, that was kind of the start of when things weren't awesome, um, and, you know, I, I guess that, that process, that, that level of progression kind of lasted a few years, and then, um, was top seventh grade so that was third grade when you know things started kind of getting weird um and at that point they they also were saying like oh she eats a lot of cheese it's probably that or it's all in her head because she's Mm. really stressed out um I was gonna ask you about that sorry go ahead no sorry I was gonna ask you about that because I read that in your blog and yeah that really struck me because as a counselor I either get referrals for kids who doctors have said like we can't find anything wrong and they're probably just anxious about school or I we have all racked our brains and we don't know where their physical symptoms are coming from and as a counselor like I don't know that really hit me did you feel that's interesting yeah well because it's part of part of me is like I take my job very seriously and I consider it that I'm not responsible for the kids absolutely yeah I'm not responsible for the kids that I see but it is they are in my care and so I try to be very systemically based meaning if they're coming in and they're throwing up every day, I want to explore every reason why that could be. And of course, obviously I look at the the mental aspect of it or the emotional aspect of it because that's my yeah. training. But I don't know, like just to be told as a parent and as a kid over and over and over that it's in your head. I don't know. How did you deal with that? I don't think yeah. I would have handled that very well. <laughs> yeah, I didn't deal with it very well. Um, I mean, I, you know, and, and the thing is, is I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a child at this point in sure. a pediatric medicine. Like I'm not the one really being talked to. It's yeah. my parents. So that's that's a really interesting part of like being a kid and being sick is I don't have a lot of the distinct memories of like how I felt when a doctor told me something because mm-hmm. they didn't tell me the they thing. Yeah. They told my parents. Um, mm. I knew that they were thinking it might be um, – because, you know, you always hear, like, the mind-gut connection. Like, and I sure. believe in that, too. Still, to this day, I believe that it's true. Um, but 
because I had, so my grandma died, my grandpa died. I don't know the order of this because I was so young, but grandma, sure. grandpa died. My uncle died and my second grade teacher died like all within like a couple years span. Yeah. And they, and so like when we'd go to a doctor and they'd ask, you know, like, has anything really traumatic happened? And like, we'd bring that up and they were like, Oh, well, of course, like she's oh. very stressed. Yeah. Um, so, and I knew that I, you know, that probably was a thing, you know, I definitely probably was traumatized by that. Sure. Um, but I hated that they stopped at that. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, like, okay, here's some Zoloft. Yeah but nothing changed like <laughs> right well it's very diminishing yeah. I mean it just feels like they're there little girl like you're fine yeah. it's probably just you know and you're like uh no I'm throwing up every day I don't think I'm fine <laughs> exactly as an adult now like looking back like that frustrates the crud out of me oh yeah I know my parents were like digging through everything like what crazy kind of doctor can we find like we went to everywhere like all different varieties of like medicine doctors um trying to figure something out um I don't know what there like there there's a memory I have of going to some kind of doctor that I could never tell you what it was like not because it's a secret because I have no idea (laughs) I don't think my parents would remember either but I remember him being like okay, well, here are these little white sugar pellet things. Just eat them. And I was like, oh my okay. Gosh. <laughs> like, I have no idea what that kind of doctor was. But, like, wow. to explain, like, how yeah. we were just digging for anything. Um, sure. Yeah. So, um, the it's all in your head thing uh, was around for about, you know, like, probably eight years. Um, and then I was and this the, the whole time I feel like garbage. Like I'm sure. very malnourished. My belly look like I didn't look exactly like the children you see that are serving in third world countries, but it wasn't too far from yeah. like the huge distended belly and the really tiny just legs and like the really big belly and then the tiny legs and the tiny arms. Like mm-hmm. that was very much like kind of what I looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in seventh grade, I still weighed, like, 60 pounds. Wow. And so, yeah, I'm 13 at this point. That's crazy. And, yeah. And so, all my friends are, like, growing and stuff, and I'm just, like, Sup. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, man. Um, so, about, so, in seventh grade was when I finally got diagnosed with chronic intestinal pseudo-obstruction. Wowza. Um. This is after, like, numerous hospital tests and stays and, like, all this stuff. But um, that's the diagnosis I got after what's called a full thickness biopsy of my small intestine. Wow. So, basically, they they made an incision under my belly button, and they took my small intestine out. And, actually, they said they took the whole thing out, which I have, like, very vivid like I will like make up pictures in my mind like what oh my gosh I can't imagine I know um also how did they get it out of a tiny slit below your belt like I'm just trying to imagine uh, that whoo the slit is probably like 
now I'm like looking at my belly button. <laughs> it's not a it's not a small one. It's probably oh, okay. like three inch long. Oh okay, that makes more yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the, and they took a little slice of my intestine and sent it off to the path the pathology people, and they diagnosed me with that. Um, so diagnosis. what made them finally do that? Like, why did it take so long? Is it because of your age or did they just think that can't possibly be it? Or why, why did it take so long? That's a good question. Um, so this is a rare disease mm. and a, a thing that doctors are always taught. And I don't know if in like mental health world, you're also taught this, but like when you hear hoofbeats, look for horses, not zebras. Oh Yeah. And so, you know, they, they want to rule everything out before they get to weird stuff. And quite honestly, I don't know if this diet, I don't, I don't know how long ago this diagnosis like started to be a thing. Okay. The name, so quite like, so the name itself really is stupid. It's Mm. basically so chronic, like this happens all the time. Mm -hmm. Intestinal, it's my intestines. Pseudo obstruction is like it's a fake obstruction. Like oh. your guts just act like they're obstructed, but they're oh. not. Yeah. Crazy. So it's not even like all that descriptive or informative. Right. Right. It's just really long and obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> that is so interesting. So wow. Okay. So yeah. it's it's like your body thinks it's something's happening to it that's not happening. Well, it makes it happen. It it produces its own insanity, honestly. Whoa, like it, that is crazy. Like the muscle, so my, so there's also so there's a myopathy, which is like a muscle caused issue, and then there's the neuropathy, which is like a neurological thing. Mine's okay. the muscle issue, so it's oh. my muscles in my guts that are dumb. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. And so. They don't, like, I don't have the peristalsis that people have, like, where, you know, your food, like, hangs out, and then it, like, gurgly gurgles through, like, Mm. that's what yours does, and it, you know, has these waves um, to move things through and out, like, they're supposed to go, and mine just, like, don't, like, they just hang out, Um, and even fluid, so even, there's been times where I haven't been eating or drinking or anything and like even the fluid like the juices and stuff that your guts make themselves even that stuff is hard for it to pass really so it's because the muscles are not working yeah that is so interesting you would think that it would just be like a water slide like come on now like your fluid just like get it together but no and even air is it gets trapped in my guts whoa um So you said they sent off, so this was in what, eighth grade? You said they finally. Seventh grade. Seventh grade. Okay, so for like what, 10, not 10 years, eight years? Nine. Nine. For nine years, you have been in and out of all of these hospitals and doctors, and they're like, I don't know. And then finally, they send off a little piece of your intestine, and then they're (laughs) like, here it is. And you're like, okay, great. And then a whole new chapter of your life begins because now you're like, okay, I imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine if, like, after all this time, you finally have a diagnosis, but it's not exactly what you wanted to hear, right? 
Well, it's not what my parents wanted to hear. Oh, so okay. again, I'm still in pediatrics. All I was right. not a part of the they conversation. They don't tell you. Right. Um, which is so stupid. Yeah. Um, but I know that when the doctor told my parents that it wasn't curable, mm. it was devastating to them. Sure. I don't know if they told me that. Mm. And I didn't. I've always kind of known that this, I mean, this has been my life for as far as I remember. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't expect them to get some answer and then be like, okay, now we have a cure for you. And I don't know where, why I have always been wired that way, but mm. I just kind of, I don't know. It's just kind of ingrained in me that, like, this is my life. It's fine. Like, I will do what I can with what I've got. Do you think that um, was like a learned protective thing, or do you think that's just literally how you've always been? That's a good question. Because I would imagine, like, as a kid, my my niece has some hormonal complications, and she's had to go to the hospital a lot, and she's only three. And so yeah. I would imagine that at some, at some level, like, because as humans, our bodies are literally there to help us survive. And so I'm sure that at some level, you know, you just develop this, like, okay, well, we got to just power through this, and we have to go to the hospital again. And I don't know, I'm just curious as to if, I'm sure it's both, you know, I'm sure it's both how you're wired and also just kind of a, mm-hmm. a learned thing. But that is interesting. Yeah, yeah, it probably is both. I mean, and also, like, how would you even decipher which is which when it happens so young? Sure. Like, um, yeah. so, yeah, that's a good question. Um, but, oh, this is when the fun stuff starts, though. This is when. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so I'm, like, super malnourished. And they get me this diagnosis, and then, like, a couple months later, I am in a hospital, and they're like, you have to gain weight. And And a couple (laughs) of months before this happened, I remember being in the hospital another time, and we were watching this show about, me and my mom were in the hospital watching a show about some, like, little beauty queen show, like, little (laughs) girls doing, like, beauty pageant stuff, and one of the girls had a feeding tube. Mm. And I remember my mom, sorry, this like, I don't know why this makes me sad. Sure. It's just weird. But my mom was like, if you're, if you can't start gaining weight, you're going to have to have one of those. Mm. And I was like, well, I, okay. Like, I, you know, like what? Mm. I'm not doing this. Yeah. It's not you your know? fault. It was a weird, it's a weird memory to have. Yeah. Um, and I know she just said it out of like, desperation of like maybe saying this will make something better or this won't happen to you um but instead of getting a feeding tube which is a tube that typically either goes into the stomach or into the jejunum which is a part of the small intestine um I actually got a central line which is a uh a catheter that goes straight to your heart Mm. And instead of being fed through my guts, they decided it would be best to put me on what's called TPN, which is total parenteral nutrition, which is IV nutrition. Mm. And it would get, and, and so I got a port, um, oh, okay. which a lot of people would be familiar with. That, that's, that was what I got first. Okay. Um, and this is and seventh so, grade still or eighth grade? This is still seventh grade. Okay. This is like, I missed like the last couple of months of seventh grade. Okay. Like I was in the hospital. Sure. And, um, so I got my port and started TPN and 
it's kind of funny because I had we lived in this apartment at this time, and for some reason it had these ginormous closets, like master <laughs> bedroom, like walk-in closets, <laughs> all the bedrooms, and mine was completely full because I'd been the same size for like a billion oh, wow. years. Yeah, and so it was amazing and terribly sad when I started gaining weight from GPN <laughs> and like nothing fit. You're close. <laughs> yeah so um I gained like 30 pounds within like wow. I don't know probably like three or four months um and started you know looking like more human mm. um my belly was still bad and it still hurt and it was still super bloated like none of that changed because I was still eating and getting the, the TPN mm. um so, so question about that question and this may be yeah. the dumbest question, but when you get, when you got the TPN, so you were still eating while also having that or no? I was. Okay. Yep. Okay. They, they still wanted me to continue to eat because they don't want your gut to like go to sleep and not work ever again. Okay. And so they encouraged me to continue eating because they didn't put me on TPN thinking I was going to be on TPN long term. I don't think. I mean, oh, no okay. one goes on TPN thinking it's going to be long term. Like you always like want to get off of it sure. because- it's it's not good for your liver mm. or your kidneys, um, and it's just not how we're supposed to process nutrition. Mm. Um, but you know, when that's the only option, that's the only option. Sure. <laughs> but yes, I was still eating um, to just keep that s- s- sort of working. I guess gotcha. I don't know. Um, gotcha. but yeah. Wow. Any other questions about what TPN means? I don't think so. I'm guessing that it, well, I guess I do have a question. (laughs) Um, so does it just, cause you mentioned that the kind of thing that you, that your body struggles with is the muscles. So is it like forcing your muscles to work or is it just kind of an extra thing in your body that helps break it down? Okay. So my, okay. So sorry. I also didn't, mention that my guts also don't absorb nutrients so they they don't move and they don't absorb okay um and tpn is basically tpn is pure nutrition like it is it is a 2.5 liter bag of vitamins fats sugars carbs okay fluids like it is it is bypassing the entire digestive system and putting it straight into your bloodstream oh okay Mm-hmm. That makes more sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But how does that work when you're still eating and your body is yeah. still not doing its thing, but you're still putting food into it to make it, like, how does that work? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> um, it doesn't work. Aha. Uh-huh. I guess is the, is the most simple question, the most simple answer is it didn't make anything work any better. Mm. It was... But here's the cool thing is over several years of TPN, I was able to get down to three days of TPN a week okay. and was able to maintain my weight. And th- this is a long time ago. That's not the case anymore because a lot of things have changed since then. Sure. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I guess it was doing something. I, you know, hmm. that's a, it's hard to know. So they were, it sounds like they were just kind of hoping that like 
we would we're just gonna try this we're just gonna do this for now and something's gonna change and i don't know maybe they weren't thinking that but to me it's like, well, like literally it's all all of this is experimental yeah because it's so rare in like you don't get this disease and they're like oh we know exactly what to do <laughs> right. Like, right this is what we do now and then this will happen and then like that's not wow. how it is. and you and i can talk to five of my other pseudo obstruction friends and they have completely different experiences mm. um so we're all very different even though we have the same sure. name okay um, that makes more yeah. sense okay so yeah. you have this little thing so, and then what happens next um so what happens next is well first i want to just explain what tpn looks like day to day real quick so yeah so you have this central line that is a sterile part of your body that you have to have someone or you have to be trained to change it every week like you're dressing um so I had a home health nurse that came every week um and you know whenever I wanted to swim I could only swim one day a week when my port wasn't accessed um showering was really hard um I gave up and like just had my mom give me like wash my hair in the sink because it was so hard which is one of my like greatest callings is how I finally figured out how to shower with a central line and I like share it with the masses like I'm like listen I found it um and um so like and I and I would infuse at night so I didn't so it's a big old bag of fluid that I would put in a backpack at night and I would would run overnight I'd have to pee during the night because Mm. it's a lot of fluid sure um and they actually made it to where I wouldn't have to take it to school because that would be, oh. like, infection risk. Because you're also living with, like, severe infection risk mm. um, having central access. So, mm. yeah, so it was a lot. And I, I, my parents were very hands-off. Like, I scheduled my nurses. I, wow. like, learned how to, t- yeah. It was, it was a lot for a 13-year-old. Looking yeah. back, I'm like, how, though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, like, I was the only one who set up TPN bags and I, you mm. know, it was Well, and all... especially going from like, nobody would tell you directly to now here, uh-huh. schedule all the things. That's uh-huh. a lot. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Interesting times. Mm. Um, so, you know, this like went on, this was normal, like TPN, big belly still, um, but, but nourished to an extent, mm. um, with TPN. And then my liver numbers started having issues. Um, and my doctor was like, hey, this is once I'm an adult. Um, I'm probably 20 years old. My doctor's like, hey, your liver is like kind of doing this thing where your liver numbers are elevated. Would you like to see how you do without TPN? Hmm. At this point, I'm only on three days a week. And I was like, absolutely, <laughs> yes. Like, I'm so over this. Like, you think I can do this? I think I can do this. Like, yeah, bye. let's do it. Yeah, so we stopped it. And I kind of, I mean, I'm 20 years old. And um, I just didn't want anything to do with that part mm. of my life anymore. And so I was very much, like, I didn't really check in with her, my doctor. She basically told me if I got, like, below a certain weight point like I had to come see her and mm. I just didn't weigh myself so that made mm. it fake right like that made it not real like yeah. if I was below it it didn't exist right um and she basically told me like okay just eat all the high calorie things high calorie low fat low fiber like what does that even mean yeah what is it that means 
Kit Kats, I guess. That's what I decided it was. <laughs> That's um, right. <laughs> even though they're high fat. Like, it was like ice cream, cheese, Kit Kats, like Gosh. whatever my body could somewhat tolerate. Yeah. Um, so, because fiber is really not great for my sure. guts. Um, well, and then I got involved with a, like some naturopath people, like a chiropractor. Um, and they decided that no, no, I actually had parasites and they could cure me. And no. that was the words that they used. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yep. And that's when things got real bad and real scary. Um, oh, I can imagine. Yep. Could you tell a 20 year old that you can heal them from a oh. disease that has really like wrecked their world? Like they're going to listen. Well, and, yeah. Yeah. And so they put me on a only fat and only fiber protein diet to kill the parasites so i wasn't even allowed to eat anything that my body could tolerate which were like carbs and sugar oh my gosh yep and so for a few months i was doing this i was taking a zillion supplements to try to kill these parasites Mm. and um they were so convinced and i was so convinced too like i was like yeah everybody's wrong like you guys we're gonna do this like i'm gonna be healed
So, like, my routine hospital visit was always, like, I got a tube stuck down my nose, and they'd connect me to suction so -hmm. that they could get all, like, the stuff out of my stomach, and then I would hopefully eventually go to the restroom and, like, clear out all the crud in my guts. Mm. So, I'm in there, and I'm like, okay, we're on step one, like, I'll do this, and then I'll go to the bathroom, and then I'll start on clear liquids, and then I'll start on, like, you know, like, because I'm NPO, like, I'm not allowed to eat, and then, so I think that this is totally just going to be like a one, like a normal day for me because mm. I, I had a routine in the hospital right. and it never, ever was a routine. Like it just kept going back to, like I kept going back to square one. Oh my God. Um, and I couldn't even tolerate like not being hooked up to suction mm. just with my own like spit going into my stomach because I would throw it up. And, wow. Yeah. And they ended up, after all the crud got out of my guts, like after probably two weeks, I weighed 82 pounds. Mm. 82 yeah. at 20? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's scary. I mean, I get it. Like, I, I, I've never been in your shoes, but I understand the feeling of like, I'm so tired of this. I'm just going to pretend like it's not happening and we're just going to live our exactly. lives and everything's fine. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. Golly, yeah, that's exactly where I was. And yeah, and so I got started back on TPN. I left the I left California, went back home to Texas, NPO, so that means nothing by mouth, mm. which was bizarre. Yeah. I did a lot of chewing and spitting because food is life. Sure. Um, <laughs> so anyway, and and since then, uh, I've never I've not been able to. Dec- decrease any TPN days. I'm still on TPN seven days a week. Mm. I eat food, but now, like I was talking about that tube that went down my nose that sucked stuff out of my stomach. So Mm -hmm. now I have a permanent tube in my stomach Mm. that I'm able to let food out of. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to eat for pleasure. Okay. Well, that's good. Oh yes. It's a game changer. Cause I really can't imagine for a couple years. Like, yeah, that took a while. And that was a game changer. Yeah. So you can eat, and then this tube, like, handles it for you. Yes. Okay. I mean, it's a lot of work, but it's worth it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's so worth it. Wow. Um, and then I have another tube in my um, small intestine that I can give myself meds through, and then if I, like, get really backed up and things aren't going well, like, I can also drain that one, too. Wow. So, all kinds of hoses and tubes. <laughs> well, how do you feel about it now? Like, I, I'm sure that you still have things down the road that you'll have to deal with, but do you feel like, okay, like I'm finally settled into a routine and like this is my life, or, or do you feel like I'm just waiting for the shoe to drop, or how do you feel about it now? I feel both of those things, and I also, to add to those two, I also feel is this a time where I should be exploring for other answers because it's been Mm. several years and there's like new genetic testing, there's new therapy, you know, like there's new stuff. Um, Would an ostomy help me? What, you know, like what, um, what am I willing to like screw with to see if like (laughs) could make my life better or would it make it worse? Um, mm. so I'm actually in the process of, uh, trying to go to an intestinal rehab and transplant, um, clinic that's in, in Omaha. Mm. Um, so 
Yeah. Wow. And, but I'm stressed out about it. Well, sure. I would too. Because <laughs> it's like, do I want to screw with anything right now? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how do you, like, how do you keep your joy through all that? How do you keep your peace through that feeling? I mean, of course, like, sometimes I, like, lose it. And sure. I freak out. But mostly just, like, being grateful for what my body is doing. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, there is a big thing that it's not doing. But, like, my eyes still blink and I'm breathing and that doesn't hurt. And, you know, like, um, mm-hmm. I'm grateful for for what it's able to do. Um, and I just try to give it grace for not being able to do like the whole digestion thing. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and that kind of, that kind of bleeds into, you know, you have made a platform out of your story, which I think is amazing. Cause I do think, and I, I have never had to deal with anything chronic like this. So it's, it's impossible for me to know how it feels, but I just love it when I see people who are dealing with something that they had no choice in. And for some people, I think, because they had no original choice, now their choice is to be angry. And, you know, they just feel maybe justified in that in that feeling, and they certainly are, but I think it takes much more strength and courage and hope and honesty to say, like, this totally blows, but also I have my whole life in front of me, and I don't want to spend it being angry. And I love that you're honest saying, like, I do have moments where this is not fair and I freak out, because, of course, you do, and I would too. But I just love, and I wondered if you talk a little bit about, too, kind of like, what you do with it now like you touch so many people and you try to help so many people so tell us about kind of what you're doing with your story now so now um so i hang out a lot on instagram i do have a blog i'm trying to um make that into something bigger and better so look forward to that Um, boom but um i i spend most of my days talking to people also on TPN or dealing with similar issues, um, trying to help them figure out, number one, big advocacy all the time, like speak up for yourself. Yeah. Like that's my biggest thing. Like if you're not being heard, like make sure you're being heard. Um, making sure people have the resources that they need because a lot of the times you're thrown into this world and you're just, no one since there is no formulary for this life, mm-hmm. no one really knows what's happening. Yeah. Like, even your doctors are kind of like, well, I mean, if I had a tube, I'd do this. But, I, you know, like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, giving people, like, this was my experience. Maybe yours will be different, but this is mine. Um, just, you know, being a resource for people to know that they can be mad at the world with... And maybe I can give them some sunshine, but maybe mm-hmm. I can't make also just being pissed off with people is yeah, another absolutely. part of my job. Um, yeah. Which I am pissed off with a lot of people because a lot of people's bodies are being really rude to them. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And so I, you know, I just share day to day, like what my thoughts on things are. Like yesterday I talked about how I realized I'm pissed off at dated planners because they make me I feel saw really that. unproductive. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm like, I need an updated planner so that whenever I'm stuck in the hospital or I'm stuck in bed, I don't feel bad about it. Yeah. And that 
Um, and that would be one less, like, physical, like, uh, you know, like, piece of evidence that that was the case. Because, mm-hmm. And not that that's bad. And and my whole thing is, like, it's okay to be a pretty couch potato. Yeah. And so that's very much me. But I also don't want... I don't want my stupid planner to be the one to remind me mm-hmm. that I didn't do anything all week or whatever. Yeah. I, I want that within myself to be like, it's okay. I didn't do this. I didn't get that done or, mm. um, yeah. And I hope that that message is getting across to the rest of the yeah. chronic illness community that I interact with. I just um, love that. I think it's so important because I think if, if there's nothing else we can do for the world, I think the best thing we can do is offer to the world the thing that maybe we didn't have or we wish we would have had. You know, I think exactly. about this every single time I have to buy a birthday card or a, you know, a whatever card. I think, why do people say all this frou-frou crap on these cards? Like, I just want yes. a card that says, thanks for being you, you're pretty cool, bye. But instead, they're like, you're the wind beneath my wings. You're the glitter on my crown. I'm like, no, I just, and then I think I'm going to make a Hallmark company where I just write like basic cards. Like, why is this so hard? Anyways, I'm sure they're out there. I just, they're not at my Walmart, but you need to go to Target. I do. But you know what? I'm going to tell you some sad news. There's no Target in this town. The closest Target is an hour away. So it's, it is sad. But it's it's more about like that's just me it's complaining. Hard living in Walmart. Kind I know, of thing, right? I really am. Yeah. But I I love that you have created something with your life where you're like, okay, well, when I was a kid, you know, nobody knew what to do with me, and nobody even really mm-hmm. spoke to me. So I'm gonna do that for other people. I think that's really special because you don't have to do that. You know, you you could live your life dealing with your illness by yourself, you know, with your dog and your husband, and and be fine and be happy. But you have chosen mm-hmm. instead to like include other people and I think that's really cool thank you I I really I really like the work that I get to do um and helping people yeah I I had some really interesting conversations with with people and I love hearing different perspectives and that really feeds my soul Um, yeah yeah which leads me yeah. to my next question. What is nourishing you now? You may have already oh, said it. I totally have said it. Um, yeah, I, just being a part of this community and, and getting to um, share and hear and understand other people's perspectives, um, getting, just building community, even mm-hmm. though it's not, community in a normal quote-unquote normal sense Mm um but some of my best friends don't live in my immediate community like they live far away but Mm -hmm. they're still my community and I love that and I'm what's actually nourishing me right now is that next week I get to go to Chicago to a conference Ooh. with others on nutrition support and I get to meet like I think there's like 10 people that I'm getting to meet and I'm so excited that is cool yeah yeah so Super some cool. of like my my online friends um are gonna be there and I'm so excited yeah. um that's yeah. amazing I love that Well, I have loved your story. I'm so thankful that you were willing to talk to me because I think, I don't know, it's just really, I think there's a lot of things that I just like perspective. I think perspective is good for everyone. And 
there's things that I do on a daily basis, on a minutely basis that I don't think about that other people struggle with, you know? And I think even just thinking about, of course we all love food, but just the, the, the thought of not being able to really enjoy food because of how it affects your body is not something I have to think about. And so I have loved being able to kind of put myself in your shoes and have a new perspective on things. And it, I think it just makes us all more sensitive to what other people are experiencing because you never know. And I just yeah. so appreciate you sharing your story. Hey, thanks for letting me. I really enjoyed this conversation. Wasn't that so fun? After I talked to her, I just felt like I could have talked to her for days and days. I love her personality. I love her joy. I love that she's not lost her spark and her spunk through something that very easily could have made me just succumb to anger and frustration and all that kind of stuff. So be sure to head over to her blog and her Instagram. I've put it in the show notes as usual, but you are definitely going to want to read her full story and also just see what she's up to now so that you can help her out. All right, you guys, I hope you have an awesome rest of your week and I will see you soon.